What's up, you guys? Happy Sunday, and welcome back to your favorite start of the week or your new favorite start, Brunch with Desby, the podcast. My name is Des. I also go by Desby. My full name is Desiree. Please never call me that. Okay, that, that, that is my childhood trauma name. And if you have been yelled at as a child and your, your parents were not introduced yet to gentle parenting back in the 90s, you probably don't like your full name. And I feel like that is science. Please let me know if we are on the same page. You, it, it, I guarantee you, you have some form of nickname you would prefer over your full name. And maybe not. And if you were, I was probably, the, I was probably jealous of you as a kid. Um, so what's up? Happy Sunday. Hope you're having an amazing start to your week. I am so excited for today's episode, but before we get into what that is going to be about, I did just want to apologize for last week because I, I was, I prematurely said happy August and it was, it was the 31st. And even today, as I'm recording this, I thought it was a different day of the week. When I tell you that pregnancy two times in two years, along with being a two under two mom has stripped my brain of every brain cell possible. I am not lying to you. I cannot even tell you the amount of confusion that goes through my mind every single day. Okay. So I apologize for getting too excited, (laughs) but I was so excited because obviously last week we hosted and started our six weeks of strength challenge. And that was so exciting for me because it's something that I'm participating in. I'm really going for it. I'm crushing it. I'm ready to get after it. Um, and with that alongside a lot of you. So I was, I was way too pumped. Okay. I was, I was flying off the edge of my seat. I was so excited. I was so ready to just dive in and get a little nasty and dirty with my six weeks to strength girls and guys. We've had a lot of awesome, um, females and males sign up for this past challenge, which is awesome. We have a lot of uh, dynamic duos um, and it has just been really exciting to see and to start getting going. So that launched last week. Now I know I have already gotten, I have already gotten messages. Is it too late to sign up? Oh my God. Did I miss, oh, did I miss signups? Oh my God. Did I Oh my God. Don't tell me I missed the sign up. Don't tell me. Well, yes, you, you did. Okay. You missed the sign up. And, um, the good thing is, is if you're listening here, I always treat you guys, right? If there's anywhere that I'm going to treat you, treat my people a little bit extra special, it's going to be my podcast fam. So with that being said, if you guys have not signed up yet, I'm going to give you the extended invite to do it. I'm going to give you the invite right now And it today, today only you have the additional opportunity to sign up. Okay. One time price. If you still want to be coached, we might still have spots. I'm not sure at this point in time, we do have a payment plan, everything that you would, would want. Okay. We have, I have your back. I literally have your back. Um, I do not want you to think that you're in this alone. And even if you're making this decision today and you're like, damn, you know, I, I've been thinking about it, but I really just need to take the leap today. You can still start today. We had our first workout today and you are not behind. So even if you have a vacation coming up, don't get, oh, I'm busy. No, doesn't matter. Okay. Plenty of people work around life. Hello, babe. It's called life. There's stuff that's going to happen. Okay. Um, so 
There is a lot going on in six weeks of strength. We have our first mini challenge starting today. You have the opportunity to win some more prizes, everything in combination we have starting today. Okay. So you're not behind. You are right on time. All right. And if you want to be coached and you want me to be your coach, reach out to me via email, desbyfit at gmail.com. Email me right now and we will make it work. All right. Um, with all that, if you do sign up, for the challenge, this still counts as you quote supporting me. So take a screenshot of your sign up and go enter my monthly giveaway that is linked in my bio, like on Instagram all the time. So as many times as you support me, use my code, always fill that out. Um, and you can be entered for a monthly giveaway. Now, speaking of giveaways, speaking of stuff coming up, there is a, a new Buff Bunny collection launch. And if you guys have seen this by now, it should be released. If not, I'm probably going to get fired. So please, um, for the sake of my life, I hope that we, um, we have announced this launch <laughs> for real. <laughs> now, with that being said, it's, uh, it's not my favorite. I'm, I'm very open and honest when it comes to, when it comes to what I like. And that's the thing. Everyone has opinions. They're like, they're like buttholes. We all have them. You know what I'm saying? Whatever, however that goes. So it's not my favorite. It is uh, a lot of prints. There's a few colors though. There's a few things in it that I really, really love as always, right? It's called secrets in the sand. Overall, like when you look at the color palette and the patterns, you're like, Ooh, could be cute. Ooh, I could like that. And then you like see them on the legging and you're like, Ooh, like never mind. You know what I mean? Like, and that's just me. I, I love Prince. I love it, but there's something about like, uh, the, especially the Elysium fabric of Buff Bunny. That is just not my like go-to, you know, and I don't like patterns or fabrics that look shiny. If you're catching my vibe, like I don't want it to look like metallic. That's not like my energy. Now that's not to say it's not yours, but I'm, I'm speaking off of me personally not my favorite launch. Now there are a few colors though coming out, um, such as the color Pharaoh, Lotus, Mirage, Turquoise. There's a beige and gold bossy print. There's also a co color called Nile, um, that I really like. They're like pretty lavender, a very pretty pink. You got the typical turquoise and then you have some like bossy print. There's also a few styles of bras and, um, also some leisure wear that is coming out as well. So that I can get behind, but also like not again, like not my favorite launch ever. And like, that is 100%. Okay. Not every launch is going to be the best. Now to my understanding, this is now releasing on August 20th. So we have a couple weeks. Um, and I will let you guys know what I think last week we had new story launch and new Paragon. Again, I've always been very transparent about this. I am a whore for codes. Not really. I've just, I've had, here's the thing. I don't acquire new codes often. I've just had the same codes for like six years now, <laughs> three years, four years. So it's like a lot, but with that, I have to always do my due diligence to share what the companies are launching. And because I am partnered with so many amazing companies that I love to be a part of there, there's like no, no pause ever. Like someone that I'm affiliated with is always coming out with something. You know what I'm saying? So it is a little bit difficult to navigate that, but I also, 
I think I've mentioned this in a few podcasts back. I owe it to them. Like, this is my job. You know what I mean? Like my job is to work under them. Therefore, like I need to do my job. And that includes promotion, right? And I'm, when my promotion does happen, I am always also honest. So if there's something that I don't like, or, Hey, I could have sized up or, Hey, this fits weird or whatever. I will also be very transparent. And I'm very grateful for the companies that I do work with that they value my feedback in that way. And also appreciate the fact that I'm going to have an opinion and not every launch is my favorite. That's what like worries me the most is when you see someone saying like every launch is my favorite. I'm like, is it though? Because there are some launches that I see from every, every business ever. It's like, uh, is that your favorite that like, do you actually like it? I mean, like, I don't know. Again, I'm very honest, but I also have that relationship with the companies I work with and I'm grateful for that. So, um, outside of that, so that's coming up. That was a, sorry for the little sidetrack there. Um, I think we found a location for our gym, I think. And I'm not going to speak super deeply into it, but as you guys know, this has been my dream for like ever. Like I've always wanted to own my own gym. It started when I was little. I wanted to own my own pet shop. I don't know why I was an entrepreneur at a young age. Okay. (laughs) But now being able to fast forward and wanting to own still like my own spot, my own place, my own place to bring people into and have real human interaction. I'm very, very excited about it. Um, there's a lot going on. It's, you know, it's a huge risk, but I think if there's one thing that I've learned as an entrepreneur or as someone who has always just kind of chased after something is you don't always have to know what the fuck you're doing. And this is going to be a future episode for you guys of just like how to succeed period. Maybe that's even what I'll name that next episode. Just how to succeed mindset, how to succeed. I'm not perfect. No, I don't think anyone is, but the people that you see out here making the biggest moves when we're looking at people like Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, you know, a lot of them, especially them, um, people like Mark Cuban, even like most of them in that space came from nothing. Now you have the obviously like people who are born into fame, have that one up, have that, have those ins, have those connections. But a lot of people and especially like, I feel like the tech space and stuff like that, a lot of them were just smart or maybe even didn't realize they were smart till after they were out of school, dropped out of college, you know, all these weird stories. And then they just did it. You don't always have to know what you're doing. A lot of these people operated out of like, just do it and we'll figure it out in taking messy action. So again, that's going to be a future episode of just how to take action. It doesn't even have to be like you being an entrepreneur. It's just taking action in what you want your life to be. And we're going to talk about that probably next week or in the upcoming weeks. I have a lot of really great episodes on the horizon. Now with all of this combined, I do not want to give you a skincare corner this week because I'm really excited to have Esther Olu on, and she is a cosmetic scientist. She is also a licensed esthetician. I found her on, it was either Instagram, I think it was Instagram on my explore page one day and immediately click follow. She is so educated. Um, She was super sweet in our interview. And I know a lot of people, especially like in her field of like skincare, I don't always see a lot of them on podcasts. A lot of them just create content in their spare time when they can. 
So I was very honored to have her on my podcast and to maybe even get out of her comfort zone and um, answer questions and answer questions for you guys and share a little bit of education. Now, there's a lot in this episode even within just like this hour episode, there was a a ton of information. Um, And again, it's all about making sure that your skincare routine or whatever you're doing to self-care yourself aligns with you. And um, if you're someone that, you know, would prefer the quote organic, like go for it. If you want clean, go for it, you know, whatever. But I think as a cosmetic scientist, as someone who has gone to school, understands molecular biology, understands chemistry, understands the ins and outs of everything on top of them being a licensed esthetician. If there's someone that you're going to listen to, it's gonna be her. Okay. Like if you're, if you're listening to just a random TikToker who came on your for you page with no credentials, no nothing. And is just quote self-educated. I'm not saying that people can't educate themselves and have a passion for something. But if there's someone's weight of words that is going to carry a higher percentage in my brain, it's going to be someone that went to school (laughs) and has this education. So she has done a really great job in this episode. Just kind of like, I don't want to use the word dumbing down, but for lack of better terms, like you understand what I'm trying to say, dumbing down skincare, making it more digestible, making it more understanding to, um, the common folk, you know, like me and you who are just trying to have glowy skin. Okay. So we have Esther on today. I'm so excited. Make sure you guys give her a follow. I have everything in the link in bio description notes, show notes below. You can follow her, um, you know, let her know you liked the episode, let her know something you learned. Um, she does have a, you know, very busy schedule. So please don't bombard her with your own personal skincare questions, but please use her content that she's already created to learn from. Um, and honestly, if you, if we follow, if we follow Esther and we follow Esther and we, we, we follow her and we, we respect her and we trust her, go see who she is following. And go follow those skincare accounts. Go learn from them too. You know what I mean? Like trust the people that she also trusts. I think that's fair. All right. Everyone's going to have maybe different outlooks, different experiences, whatever. But for the most part, I would, I would follow whoever she follows and trust that. You know what I mean? So that is going to be my skincare corner for the week is going to be Esther's whole freaking podcast here. Now, the other thing I will say is that Tula did release their new Radiant Skin Tint Serum this past week. I've really been enjoying it, and I was very honest in my review that it is a very tacky, tacky skin tint. So it's not like a not like a moisturizer or like a skin tint that is just going to like go on like lotion. It's a little bit tackier and grippier. Okay. So when you receive this product, don't be shocked if that's something that bothers you. I've found the past week of using it that if I set it with powder, like I almost like place uh, translucent powder over it, it, it fits. I'm sorry, not fits. It sets a lot better. That is one thing that you can look into if you're looking into purchasing it. Um, it is SPF 30 and you will see as we get into this episode with Esther and I'm also I was pretty educated on this prior, but I will also say it here again. The amount of product of this specific skin tint that you would put on is nowhere near what you would need for proper SPF coverage. And I will say that that is something that Tula is lacking in their education 
or understanding. Now, it's not that they're purposely doing it, but I think they could be better at sharing how you would want to place a full coverage SPF underneath this skin tint for maximal coverage. Because when you're using this skin tint, you're not getting anywhere near a tablespoon or two tablespoons or whatever your facial, you know, uh, what's the word? Facial um, amount, I guess. We're just going to go with that. I'm blanking. Um, the amount of SPF your face, ears, neck needs for actual coverage, you're not going to get that in this tint, whether it's SPF 30 or not. If you're not putting enough on, it's not going to work. Fair? So that's the one thing I will say is that I have been putting my Mineral Magic SPF underneath and then placing the skin tint on top. And then I've noticed, like I said, setting it with like almost a powder has worked very well. Along with this last week, I gave you guys a few different options for SPF on how to reapply on your face. So like the powder, the spray, stuff like that. Feel free to check that out. That's in last week's episode. You can check the show notes. I have it all linked there. Last thing I will say before we get into this episode, which I'm excited about, is my recommendation for the week of something. Entertainment, whatever. I have two things. One I have I've watched and loved. The other thing I have not received yet, but found. Let's get into it. Number one, what I watched this week is called the movie. It's a movie called Freaks on Netflix. Freaks on Netflix. So good. Very Avengers, Marvel, X-Men, Marvel-esque. I don't know how to explain it. It's really good. Kind of a little bit of supernatural, but nothing too crazy. Modern day spin. I really liked it. Okay, Def, there is a little little bit of gore in it. Nothing that would turn someone away, but I do just want to let you guys know that. Um, it's not like a thriller. It's not like a anything like that. It's really good, though. It, I don't know how long it's been on Netflix, so I might just be late to the party, but I did watch it. It was so good. It's been on my Netflix, like my list for months. Finally did it. Highly worth it. The other thing I ordered but have not received yet is a game called Hot takes. So like, Hey, I have a hot take and we're going to be playing it here on brunch with Desby here in the next few weeks. When I, when I get it, I'm so excited. It's a little bit of a party game, kind of like, what do you meme? And so I've been thinking of like, when I, whenever I find friends, (laughs) whenever I have people over, what is something we could play? That's fun. Usually we play, um, this game. I'm, I'm blanking on it right now. You actually can play it like from your Xbox. Um, I keep wanting to say Piccolo, but it's not like I, uh, Jack in the box. It's Jack in the box TV, but I don't remember what the name of the game is. You guys might know as I'm saying this, you're like, oh yeah, I play that too. You play it right from your phone and like it goes up on the TV. Anyway, that that's usually like our go-to game, but I've really wanted something we could play like at the table. That's not like a card game, but something we could just hang out with. Maybe drink a little bit if you want, turn it into that if you want, but I ordered it. It's on Amazon called Hot Takes. Um, I will also link that um, in my Amazon store, in my Amazon storefront. So that's all I have for you. Sorry, this was a little bit of a long-winded intro, but I'm super stoked for this episode. I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I do. Please um, wear your SPF today, okay? If you don't have it on, you need to pause it and put it on prior to listening to this interview because I feel like it's just a disservice if you're if you're showing up with shitty skin. 
I'm just going to throw that out there. If you're, th- if you're showing up like that, I just feel like it's not fair. So go throw on, go do your skincare real quick, throw on some eye gels, and then come back so you can properly take in this information. Let's get into it. Hello. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am good. I'm so excited to finally talk to you. We've had a little technical difficulties, but I'm glad the link worked. (laughs) Yeah, thank you for sending that over. No, you're so welcome. Thank you for taking time um, out of your day to join me. I know you're on a little bit earlier, so I don't know what you have going on tonight, but I know midday can sometimes be a chore to jump on, so I really do appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to have you on Brunch with Desby. So this is a podcast I started about two and a half years ago now. Um, I started right before quarantine, coincidentally, um, and it ended up really just kind of taking off in a way that I I wasn't expecting. And it's really become a platform that I love to share different guests on when I can, as well as just, you know, share the reality of life and everything else in between. So when I was thinking of a guest to have on, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to have Esther on. I have seen your stuff. I I follow you from like my personal account so I can actually see your content. (laughs) But um, I knew that I wanted to have you on to really just debunk a few things in the skincare community and also just hear about your line of work and really educate people on uh, different, you know, people and what they have to offer and and share you with my audience. So I'm very excited to have you. Cool. (laughs) Yes, I'm super pumped. So I first want to go ahead and give you the floor um, and just kind of introduce yourself to, you know, call it maybe an elevator speech. Someone doesn't know you at all. Um, How would you explain what you do, who you are, your passion and your day to day? Um, So my name is Esther Olu. Um, It's kind of hard to answer this question. (laughs) Um, So just essentially, I am a cosmetic chemist and licensed licensed esthetician. So um, in regards to cosmetic chemistry, it's pretty much um, doing a lot of research and development, um, putting formulations together. It's a really systematic approach. It's not really just like putting things randomly together. Um, You really have to have a knowledge of um, chemistry and biology um, to put different formulations together. Um, and it just uses a, a variety of sci- other science fields, um, as I ever mentioned, chemistry, biology, have, having an understanding of toxicology, um, regu- regulations throughout different countries. Um, and that's essentially what my job consists of. Um, and as I ever mentioned, I am also a lic- licensed esthetician. So um, just think of like facials, chemical peels, um, extractions and whatnot. Um, and... I'm mainly on my on my um, social platforms. I do science communication. So um, essentially, what I'm trying to do is just translate um, things that are that are not easy to understand for like the average consumer, um, and just break that down, um, help them understand uh, what's going on in like cosmetic chemistry, what's going on in their in their skincare or beauty products. So they're able to just understand and understand and learn more about it um, without being too scared because there's a lot of myths, you know, going around, going around um, in science and specifically in the beauty industry. Mm-hmm. So when you're, you're a licensed esthetician while being a cosmetic chemist, obviously that takes a lot of 
uh, education and schooling. So which came first, the chicken or the egg? Were you a esthetician before you finished your degree or what did that look like in your journey? Um, so I was, I was actually a cosmetic chemist first. Okay. I, um, I was doing my master's program while I was working full-time. I was actually uh, working full-time and part-time um, while doing my master's program. So I was pretty busy, um, and it was, I would say, a couple of years later that I decided to get my aesthetics license just because I felt that um, aesthetics and um, skincare, they go hand in hand, just like the chemistry of it. So I just wanted to have like another foundation to be able to understand why certain ingredients interact with the skin in certain ways um, and different skin tones as well. So um, it really does... It just goes hand in hand. So I, I got my license earlier this year, but okay. I've been a cosmetic chemist for several years. So are you practicing aesthetics right now or do you just primarily work in your cosmetic chemistry? I'm primarily working in cosmetic chemistry um, just because I'm trying to figure out um, just, just like the scheduling. It's really hard to work two jobs. Two jobs oh my gosh, time. I couldn't, couldn't imagine. So, <laughs> yeah, I've done it before and it was really hard um, on top of like school. So I just really have to find the time to squeeze it in, but I do plan to practice. Okay. That's awesome. So with cosmetic chemistry, you're obviously able to help formulate, um, different products. So is that, can you share, like, what does that process look like for you? If you have, uh, say you have a, a you know, a customer of whatever company you work for and they come in they're like, Hey, we want to create a toner. Are you the person that is then putting that together? Or what does that process look like? So it, it's, it's really like a flow of, flow of roles. Um, it really starts with um, product development um, and product development. There's a, there's a, I mean, this might not apply to every um, company, but they're the ones that are meeting with clients to understand like what they're looking for. Not every um, brand owner or anybody looking to start a business understands what goes on um, in chemistry. So they, we need to understand what exactly they're looking for. What ingredients do they hope to have? What ingredients do they not want to have? Um, where do they want to sell their product and so on and so forth. Once we're able to create a concept around what a customer wants, um, we'll give them a brief. If they agree on that brief, they'll sign it. And, and then we'll develop a formula for them. We don't, we don't show it to them just because um, they'll have, that's a whole different story. Um, they'll have to buy that. Okay. Um, and after that, you know, we do some trials with the formula that we've made um put it on it goes through several different types of testing we'll send them samples it's a lot of back and forth with that process specifically just to see what they like what they don't like um a lot of just like like i said back and forth mm -hmm. um and if they approve it then we get we get through like manufacturing and if they want to license out their formula and so on and so forth so it's it's literally like a flow okay it goes from product development to the lab um back and forth and then there's approval. And if they want to manufacture um, with that same company, they are more than free to. Um, and then the rest is in their hands when they want to do like clinical testing and whatnot. Wow. So how many products do you kind of work on at a time? Like, are you, would you say, oh yeah, I, I, I'm developing 50 products. Is it like, oh, I, I only take on five at a time. What, what's that timeline look like in workload? Um, it really depends. Um, just because I work with the team, mm -hmm. I work with a team of three people. Um, so it just depends right now, for example, um, supply chains really messed up and, um, a lot of products have to be reformulated. So that can range from like 10 plus products at a time, 
um, if not more. Sometimes it does get slow and it might be like two or three, but um, it really just depends on the season, what, what, how often clients come to us, um, how, many, how many products we're trying to develop and so on and so forth. So it can get busy, mm-hmm. but it can also be slow. And once you have a team, it's not that bad as well. Right. So when you say products need to be reformulated, is that because of supply chain right now, not being able to get a specific ingredient from overseas or wherever it need be? Yeah. So it could be um, not having access to a supplier. A lot of ingredients get discontinued, for example, just maybe maybe the, the demand is just like not high for them or they just cannot get to that a specific source. Um, the cost might be too high for a specific um, raw material. There's so many reasons. And okay. it's been like this for since really since COVID, since COVID started back in 20, um, early 2020. So um, a lot of products have, have been just getting reformulated. Wow. And, and as a as a um, what would you call it as, as a company, do they have to disclose that that, you know, you're in the behind the scenes saying you're, you know, you know, see this company, they're reformulating something. Do they have to tell their consumers that or is that just kind of a, hey, read the label, hope you notice? So there's no, there's really no standard um, or like legal regulatory thing to say you have to announce a reformulation. Okay. Um, but a lot of brands will put a disclaimer on um, underneath like the ingredient list on the website saying um, check back um, or like it will say, how do I phrase this? It will say um, to routinely look at the ingredient list um, as it may change. Got it. Um, so they won't publish. Well, some, I don't want to gener- generalize. Some may say, um, may publicly announce it, but a lot of brands will put a, put the disclaimer on their website. Okay. Wow. Well, it, it goes to show too that even as consumers, just to catch up on that stuff. I know some people that are even just allergic, you know, to certain you know, beeswax or stuff like that. And that would be horrid to use the same product and not notice it was reformulated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to your, you know, your what is the what's the favorite part about what you do and are have there been any recent like big moments that have made you feel really proud or like remind you like wow I love what I do um I would say really it's just the it's the finishing part only because um I like seeing products on the shelves I just like it because no one really gets to see, see the behind behind the scenes of like what a chemist does. It's a lot of like making things over and over again. It's a lot of um, your products failing, failing testing and so on and so forth. So it's really just that sense of accomplishment of seeing your product on a shelf or seeing your product in a retailer um, that makes you feel like, you know, that you're making a change in someone else's um, skin or makeup routine or, or hair, hair care routine. Um, and even like when I get feedback from clients or even my friends, because I do give samples to my friends and seeing that I act- actively made a difference in um, their self-esteem or self-confidence, I think that's the best part of my career. That's And that's so cool to probably see your work. And obviously, you know, we're not going to dive into what products, you know, you formulated, but when you walk past something, you know, and say your family knows, you know, do they send you pictures of it? And they're like, look what I saw, you know, anything like that? Or do you have to also keep that private within your work? I don't disclose like which brands that I, that I work with, um, to, I don't think to really anybody. Okay. I think I, think um, <laughs> but I, I really I give I give like my friends like the samples without like the brand without, without the brand name on it 
okay. I want them to know like what kind of product it is, but I, I never really disclose it just because I, I do have to sign confidentiality agreements. Okay. Um, so, um, I can see it, but I won't like, right. publicize it. <laughs> well, I, that's kind of what I fear. I was like, I wonder if you would even be allowed to, because I can see where inside, you know, company, you know, because what if you shared, not that you would, right, but you shared the formulation with another company and, you know, you know, whatever. So I can see where I can get super messy, but that has to be a very fun feeling to see your back end work and also, you know, kind of be able to be like, hey, in your head, I did that. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I've... um. I've seen like on TikTok that like there's like been like a little trend of people in tech getting fired for like disclosing too much information about their company. I don't want to end up in that position. So. Oh, absolutely <laughs> yeah. not. I actually just saw one of that too. It was like what they get in their work office and then a healthcare worker like mirrored it. And it was like, ooh, like, you know, kind of shaming what they have to pay for versus a tech company or something. But I can see again where social media can cause that. So speaking of social media, how has, how has it influenced what you do? I mean, are you able to almost have a better idea of what consumers are looking for? Like, do you think companies are using it also as an advantage to see like what's in the market? Um, so I, interestingly, um, one of my undergrad degrees was me media and cultural studies. And oh, I was, I was able to have an introduction just to how the um, media is influenced by like, a lot of things. Um, and, you know, working in this industry, um, social media is very powerful. Um, and um, it's a really huge tool for, for, for brands and consumers just to understand the trends and how trends adapt when it comes to, to the beauty industry. Um, people might think that it's not necessary, but that's really how brands learn what consumers are looking for, what exactly they're searching for, what things do they want to see in their products, and so on and so forth. Especially um, seeing how TikTok has just grown so big over like, the past couple of years um, and how there's a lot of vira uh, virality on that app. Um, a lot of brands are like looking um, at what consumers are talking about and whatnot. So um, like I said, it's a really powerful, powerful, very powerful tool. And a lot of um, decision-making decision comes from what brands see online and what consumers are looking at. Wow. And how does it, though, uh, so let's take it a different angle. How does it affect you in your work and in debunking some of these things that you're seeing on TikTok, oh, DIY sunscreen, DIY toners, you know, all this stuff or sunscreen linked to cancer or this or that. How does that affect, you know, your education and thinking, oh my gosh, how is this stuff allowed to be distributed to millions of people? And how can, you know, how are you using it to debunk that? So um, I think that the, that's one of the downsides of social media in my opinion because at least like what i've noticed with tiktok specifically is that anybody can say anything and no one really like fact checks like no one says okay do they have relevant expertise no one questioned i mean i've seen some people question it but it's like if i see something negative it's always those ones that go viral no one's really asking very critical questions i see it almost every day and i think that's like what's really frustrating for me because it's like I can I can talk about um, one myth for one myth one day, and I feel like you know I'm making a step forward. But then I see somebody saying something completely outrageous, and that that goes way more viral than what I've mentioned. Right. So it's so 
what's the word I'm looking for? Hmm. Polarizing, maybe I'm thinking. Like it's like one way or the other drastically. It's it's polarizing, it's exhausting, and it just, it just feel like, you know, maybe I feel like that maybe in a sense that like what I'm doing isn't as impactful just because I'm tired like it's frustrating seeing how um misinformation always takes predominance over people trying to debunk myths mm -hmm. if, that, if that makes sense yeah absolutely I mean from a, a health and wellness standpoint is obviously where I operate from and you'll see kind of the same thing in our side of you know fit talk if you want to call it where it's like how to lose fat in six days or like use this detox and it's like whoa 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 that's not how we're supposed to do it so then there's people like myself or other educated trainers who are putting out the right information and it's boring it's too boring. Exactly. Be being right is boring. Being correct is boring. And it's just, it's not, uh, it's not flashy. It's not, uh, exciting. And to think to have to work for something or fact check something is not what people want to do nowadays. <laughs> it, it, it's true. And it's like, um, I mean, I'm not like a, I'm not like super into like the fitness world, but it's like someone can say, like you said, someone could talk about like a detox recipe and someone, someone will, will make it instantly. But if <laughs> yes. you try to debunk that, then people are just like, oh, okay. <laughs> or they, or they fight you. They're like, no, I saw someone the other day. And it's like, they, they were literally in their kitchen. Like they're not even a trainer. Like what? you're going to listen to them over me. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's, it's crazy because people will listen to what what's viral which, which is really, exactly, really yeah. insane like why aren't you asking okay what what expertise do you have in this field not like uh, it's, it's it's a lot it, it really is. is i was talking to my husband the other day and i was i was on a walk and i was telling him how i was going to have you on the podcast and i was really excited because um it was just after you posted your tiktok but it was on a reel on instagram about super goop spf um and someone said it's not in my field house i just i lost it there um but I told him, yeah, like, you know, you need to continue to wear your sunscreen. I have SPF 50 at home. He goes, oh, do you know that's the amount of minutes you're supposed to wear it? And I was like, literally, no, it's not. And he laughed. He's like, no, it's not. I said, but wait, I could literally go on my TikTok right now and say, hey, guys, you might not know this, but like SPF 30, you need to reapply after 30 minutes. SPF 50, you need to reapply after 50. And people would believe it. Yeah. Definitely. They'd be like, oh, my God, you're... Why didn't I know that? That's so mm -hmm. smart. <laughs> yeah. I can't. Um, but so I, I totally get where it could be a, a frustrating as well for you to put out um, really great content too. And for it to sometimes not catch that virality, like you said, it's like, dude, you, like this needs to be heard. And, and definitely in today's uh, day and age, for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, even if, you know, content doesn't go viral, because that's really the, really not the, not the end goal. Um, it's like there, there's always going to be someone that, you know, will actually listen and will be thankful for, you know, hearing accurate information. And that's really what, what matters to me more than like having going viral. Um, for sure. Yeah. It's really not, not about like the followers or anything like that. It's really just, you know, knowing that you made an impact in like, a positive impact in someone's lives, knowing that, you know, someone actually learned from you. That's like, I think what's more um, beneficial for me. Definitely. And, and they could turn around and then educate their aunt or their uncle or their sister. Exactly. Or mm -hmm. So hundred percent. Um, since you are in like, you, you know, you kind of, you have an actual, I don't want to call it an actual job. You, you work for a company. Do you do you at all monetize your social media at all? Like, have you ever gotten deals like reviewing skincare or again, can you not do that because of your job? 
Um, so as long as I run it by my company, they're 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 completely fine with it. I I don't really tend to do brand deals um, by choice because um, there's, there's just a lot of brands that like do not align with me. I I think to this day, since starting my platform back in 2020, I've truly only done one sponsored post with only one brand, and that was on Twitter. It was um Desium, and um. Yeah, I've been getting brand offers, collaborations, whatever you want to call it, since 2020. But I'm very selective with who I work with because I do not want to send the wrong message to my audience. Um, that there's like certain things that I'm okay with, which I'm not. So I say a lot of no's. I rarely say yes because, um, like I said, it needs to align. Absolutely. And do you, do you ever work formulating a product that you don't align with? Like, is that a thing? Almost like being time. a lawyer, being a lawyer and having to say they're not guilty. You know what I mean? Like, yes. do you kind of have to play that game too? All the time. And now that, um, you know, clean, clean beauty is, because is an increasing trend. Um, a lot of brands, they do not want certain ingredients. Um, they don't believe in like, um, they don't believe that certain ingredients are beneficial or are going to do what they think it's going to do in a formula. So they, they don't want them and they, they want to get into a retailer. That's, that's like the biggest thing. So a mm -hmm. lot of retailers like Sephora, for example, they are, they have a clean at Sephora or I think Ulta has conscious beauty. I, I think it's something like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there's Credo clean. There's just so many like different um, retailers that have like certain standards that a lot of brands that they want to get into these retailers. So even if I don't agree with it, I understand that they, you know, that's what they want. And they don't, they want to get into a, a, a retailer or, you know, give them more, um, give them more, like more image, it'll give them more marketing. So I totally get it. I just don't agree with it. And that's fine. I'm just here to make the product. That's it. Right. And, and at that point, I mean, I'm sure you do have to turn off those personal biases and just show up for work. Exactly. Because I mean, I have to pay the bills. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, yeah. I, when, when it comes to like skincare now, so we're kind of sh taking a little shift. I want to kind of tap into your esthetician you because I have a lot of people on here. I love skincare. I love learning about it. Um, if I didn't have two kids, I would love to go to aesthetic school. So I, I live through people like you. You're so qualified and educated, um, but also with your background too, there's so much um, substance that you have. So if we're talking to like anyone today um, that wants to start taking care of their skin, period. Um, doesn't have to be any brands, just like a typical step. Like what would that look like for someone that came to you and was just like, I've done nothing and I'm 20 something years old and I just, I need to start. What would you suggest to someone like that? So um, without like getting like wrapped in what people are talking about on social media, really you just have to start with the basics, which is a cleanser. Um, a moisturizer and a sun and a sunscreen. Um, I think those are like the most important out of any, out of anything. Once you um, once you ha have like a good um, consistent schedule with those three products, you can expand on other products depending on what your skin concerns are. A lot. Of, I would say there's some people that are too focused on what, what other, other people are talking about that they're just getting anything and everything just because, you know, it sounds popular, mm -hmm. it's viral or whatever. Um, but it's really important to find products that are going to treat your specific concerns. But it's also important to start with the basics because if you were to, let's say if you were to damage your skin barrier, 
um, you're going to go back to those three products just to do like a reset. So you have to have a foundation, which are the cleanser, moisturizer, and sunscreen just to, um, to always fall back on. And that's, that's already going to be everyday, everyday maintenance for you. And then, like I said, once you want to expand to your skin concerns, you can also add the other stuff like an exfoliant, um, a serum and so on and so forth. So when we're thinking of like a cleanser, is this a acne cleanser? Is this a, you know, purifying cleanser or is this just, Hey, find your nearest CeraVe. You know what I mean? Just get yourself a good cleanser. So, so with this, it really, so it's going to depend on like what your skin concerns are. If let's say like you're, you have acne prone skin, for example, if you have acne prone skin, you're going to want to have like a cleanser with, depending on what kind of acne it is, you're going to want to have like a benzoyl peroxide cleanser mm -hmm. or a salicylic acid cleanser just to maintain um, and help um, exfoliate your exfoliate your skin and just to like, get those lesions to go down. But you don't want to use that every single day, day and night, so just because you have a higher propensity to damage your skin barrier. You want to alternate that with a regular gentle cleanser, one that's not going to strip your skin, make you like, give you like a really squeaky clean feeling, because that is like a sign that you, you're um, you're stripping the oils that are naturally on your skin out of your skin. Mm. So I always recommend, you know, if you were to use um, a treatment cleanser, to always alternate that with a regular gentle cleanser with no exfoliants or benzoyl peroxide or anything like that. Okay, and I, and I personally always hear two things. I, I sweat a lot during the day because I obviously work out. So I usually cleanse twice a day, once in the morning and once like post-workout or at night. Mm -hmm. I've also heard though that sometimes you can skip that evening or I'm sorry, you can skip the morning clean if you, you know, cleanse the night before and, you know, did your skincare routine. Are you a advocate for cleansing twice a day if necessary? Or do you think that you can always with, you know, with go for the first cleansing? So I feel like th this really depends on like several factors because there are some people that cannot tolerate, um, their skin cannot tolerate two cleanses, two cleansing, two cleanses, excuse me, <laughs> in a day. Um, but also at the same time, like you're sweating at nighttime, you know, there's going to be some like dirt and just other stuff um, going around like your pillows and whatnot. If you by any chance can, you know, make sure that, that you're sanitary all the time. I don't see the harm in it. But if you notice that you know you you're continuing to you continue to break out um, by not doing that morning cleanse, I would suggest picking up back uh, picking up a morning and night cleanse. So it really depends on, um, like I said, can your skin tolerate two cleanses in a day? Um, I actually used to do used to do um, that where I would skip the morning. It, it didn't affect my skin in any way because I'm I'm not acne prone. I just like cleansing twice a day. That's yeah. just me. Um, so it's really about like your adapting your um adapting your, your routine to like essentially essentially like what works for you and like um what you notice like do you feel like you know you're more clean in the more um you're more clean by washing in the morning or do you feel like you're breaking out by not washing in the morning so it's all about adapting and understanding like your understanding your skin fair so if someone then is you know they're taking notes right now they're like okay cool cleanser moisturizer spf great and then you're like skin type how can someone easily find their skin type and, and then find a product based off that, say that there isn't like an online quiz or something. How can someone just, you know, off the whim, figure out what maybe kind of skin type they have? So the, the general um, way to understand how, what, like, what your skin type is, is that you want to find like a gentle cleanser 
And after you wash your face, um, let's say for like 60 seconds, you want to wait roughly about 30 minutes to see what happened. So for example, if I were to cleanse my face right now and um, 30 minutes later, I noticed my entire skin is oily. That's a, that's a really good indicator that I have oily skin. Um, if I were to um, only have oil in my T-zone, that's a good way to know that I have combination skin. Or if my skin is extremely dry, like, like the freaking desert, that's a good way to know for me that I have dry skin. So um, the, like, like I said, the general idea is to wait about 30 minutes and then just feel your skin to see like what, what you're noticing. Um, but when it comes to products, um, your skin concerns are way more important than your skin type. And the reason why is, well, there's two reasons in my opinion. So the reason why is because um, your skin type is gonna change with the seasons. So right now it's summer. So we're gonna be sweating more a lot. For some for some of us, we might be um, excreting with more sebum in our skin and we might be breaking out more. But come fall or winter when it starts to get really cold, we're gonna notice that our skin starts to get more dry. So obviously our skin skincare routine is going to adjust to compensate for like what's what's happening in the seasons and on top of that um if you see i think this is like what frustrates me about marketing if you see um for example let's say a cerave they have products that are designed for like oily skin or they claim like a cleanser for oily skin and so on and so forth you don't have to find a specific product that's designated to your skin type um, there's always going to be similar ingredients for in a cleanser for oily skin and a cleanser for dry skin and so on and so forth. You you can um, adapt your routine based on the ingredients that you know that you need for your skin concern, not really on your skin type. So that's really important to know. Okay. So if I, I'm just trying to think of like another example of that. Um, so it, So if you needed... So are you saying that if I have a, I have combo skin right now mm-hmm. and are you saying that I could, if I saw a cleanser, um, or a treatment, maybe that just had niacinamide in it, but it's aimed towards dry skin, um, first, you know, whatever marketing wise, does that mean that I can still use it knowing that I enjoy niacinamide and like that is good for my skin or that will help my brightening and pores? Yes. So, and I need that mm-hmm. because ultimately brands aren't really necessarily testing solely on that skin type. They're using a panel of people, well, if they do end up doing clinical testing with different skin types. So if you find that, you know, you're not having problems with that cleanser or with that treatment that's for dry skin and like you're not having a reaction or anything like that, it's totally fine. You don't have to stick to anything towards a specific skin type. Okay. Well, and going back to where you're talking about seasons, I love that you mentioned that because I really try to like drill that into my followers too. Cause they ask, they're like, how often do you change your skin routine? I'm like, I change it up for what my skin needs. You know what I mean? If I notice a different need, it could be a week later, maybe I'm doing a different cleanser or Mm -hmm. treatment. Um, so when it comes to seasonal changes or even just retesting your skin type? Like, should you be maybe checking, you know, doing this 30 minute test, if we want to call it a few times a year? Should we just kind of really just be in tone of what's our, what our skin is doing? Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't say you necessarily have to do the test. You might actually even just no- notice this, um, as like you're using certain products that like, let's say in the winter that like, okay, let me explain. So during the summer, like, let's say like people t- tend to use gel creams just because like they're lighter, like for mo- moisturization, they don't want anything too heavy. 
Mm-hmm. You'll notice that, like, let's say, come winter, that that gel cream might be too light for you and your skin is still dry. And that's when you know, okay, maybe I need, need something, like, more heavy. Maybe I need to incorporate, like, a face face oil on top just to make sure that my skin still, like, it's still moisturized. And I feel mm-hmm. that um, my skin is, isn't, like, too dry all the time. So you might not, like, like I said, you, you don't really have to, to do that 30-minute that wait time test. Um, you'll just notice um at, I mean, you'll, you'll just notice as you're using your products and, and, and adjusting your routine. Okay. I love that. So when it comes to introducing products, how often can you introduce them? Like, do you, do you kind of preach, you know, Hey, if it's working, like let it work or because I know, you know, again, you said TikTok, uh, marketing, social media, it introduces these products and people feel the need to just buy it right away and use it in their routine that day. How often should you really be introducing a product um, or does it really matter as long as you kind of know the ingredients? I would say really um, once or maybe one or two, like every couple of weeks only because um, for one, you need to patch test just because you might, you might unknowingly, unknowingly have like irritant dermatitis or an allergy that you don't know about. And that's just to, just to understand how that product may be interacting with your skin. And some reactions do take, they, they, they do take a while to develop. It might take a couple of days. It might take a week or a week or two. And just by, by doing this wait time, it'll, it'll just help you understand really if you may have a problem with the product. And um, also um, waiting allows you to understand how that product may incorporate or um, interact with the rest of your routine. You may find that like, um, but let's say like a, a salicylic acid cleanser, it might be too much for you in a certain routine you're doing. Or um, if you want to see results with, with a certain product and I'm introducing a new serum, I might want just want to see what's happening to my skin by introducing one product. Mm-hmm. Or if you have a reaction and you don't know what product it is, it will help you pinpoint that, oh, me introducing, it was th- this one product that I introduced that's causing the problem. If you introduce too many products, you're it's going to take you a longer time to figure out what's causing the problem for you. Right. That, and that makes total sense. It's, you would think that people would feel like educated enough to do that. But when you get excited and you get this new lineup right away and you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm just ditching everything else I've ever used in my life. And I'm just, I'm using all these new products right now. Um, I can see where (laughs) the excitement could overdo that. So exactly. And you know, um, even with, like influencers or content creators like they have to test products all the time so they're probably introducing products at a way faster rate um than the average consumer so um i would say just so for anybody that you know that doesn't like have doesn't do that don't feel pressured that you have to like get all these products and try everything at once um just listen to your skin and listen to like what your skin concerns are and just adjust adjust accordingly absolutely and don't trust influencers that still edit their skin because that that ain't doing anything for them either (laughs) yeah (laughs) like i mean honestly i just i don't get it um okay so one thing i really did want to cover in this little skincare section is spf i'm a huge i am an spf advocate up the hoo-ha i just i think it's awesome everyone needs it and as you would probably agree if you're not using it you might as well throw the rest of your skincare in the actual trash. Like it, it you're not getting the benefit out of it. So mm-hmm. can you explain to someone who says, I don't need SPF every day. 
what is your immediate reaction to them saying that? Or I'm inside all day. I don't need it. Or whatever, you know, oh, it's winter. I don't need it. What is your response to that? How do you educate on that? So this needs like a, just like a little bit of nuance only because um, it, so I would say if you are going outside, like if you are going outside, absolutely. Yes, you need sunscreen. But let's say you are, in, let's say you're indoors where you're, there's like no like um, sunlight penetrating your windows or anything, anything like that. You can cool off. I mean, sunscreen at the end of the day, for some people, it is expensive. Um, so, um, like I said, if you, like, let's say like you're literally in the dark, <laughs> of course you're not gonna have to reapply. But if you're actively outside, you're going swimming um, in the sun. Um, yes, you want to ideally apply um, every two hours, even if it's like winter where you might not see a lot of sunlight. Just because the sun does, you don't see the sun doesn't mean that it can't see you. So you always want to apply and reapply when you can. It's very important because as you as you said earlier that. Um, without SPF, it's really um, redundant with whatever else you're going to use in your routine. None of what you're trying to treat or manage is going to get better unless you're actively applying your sunscreen. And that that's on facts. That literally is biblical, I heard. That you can <laughs> find that in the Old and New Testament. It's that important. Um, so when it comes to SPF, uh, if you want to call percentage, I don't know the proper verbiage. So would you like, does someone need to have a 50? Do they need to have a 30? Do they, what is the, what's the number game? What, do, what you know, what would you say to someone about that? So um, at the bare minimum, um, it's highly recommended to do at least SPF 30. Um, some people, people do like, they will not go anything less than SPF 50, but in my opinion, and one SPF is better than no SPF at all. You know what I mean? Like not everybody, you know, might not, not everybody might not be able to access an SPF 50. So as long as you have a sunscreen at bare minimum SPF 30, that's fine. Um, and I'm trying to remember, remember the percentages, but if I'm trying to remember the percentages. I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting. But there's about a 2 to 3% difference between SPF 30 and 50. But people think that, you know, it's so minute that um, you can, like, disregard it. But it's really important to think of it this way. If you were to underapply an SPF 30 versus an SPF 50, you, are be, you would be more protected with the SPF 50 than the SPF 30. Mm -hmm. so, um, I, so if you are able to access an SPF 50 and you end up liking it, by all means, go for the SPF 50. If you find an SPF 30 that you like, that's totally fine. It's really just find, finding that one sunscreen that you like um, that you're going to continue using. That's what really, what really matters the most. And how can people determine if they are under applying? What's the best way to know how much to actually put on the skin? Um, so I would say um, ideally you want to apply a, roughly about half a teaspoon. Um, and that was, that's going to cover your face, ears, and neck. If... For example, if you uh, one way to tell that you're, you're under applying is if you notice that you're burning like way quicker and um, you're burning way quicker than you'd expect. So like, ideally, people say to um, to apply reapply about almost every two hours. So let's say you notice, notice that your skin is burning within like thirty minutes. That might be a, be a potential indicator that you could be under applying. Or I know, for example, some people. Um, if you, have you heard of the, the two finger rule? Yes. Yep. Yes. So for some people, that might not, that might be too little. That's a, um, a, another indicator. 
or they may not be like fully um covering their full um face and you might you might be noticing noticing that there's some spots on your face or even on your body that um is burning so maybe you didn't fully cover the entire entire area so these are all telltale signs that like you might be applying applying um less than you intended um for let's say like half a teaspoon is is too much for you if you want to get really like technical um so there's two accounts um or actually there's three michelle wong lab, lab from beauty science she has a video about how to accurately measure your face um just to understand how many grams of um sunscreen that you may need to cover that area also uh glow by ramon has a video on youtube and um scamander his name is julian he also has um a video about how he measures his face and then is able to weigh out the amount of grams of how much sunscreen he needs every day. And obviously all of our faces are not the same size, um, diameter, you don't have the same surface area. So the amount, that, that half a teaspoon, like I said, it might be too much for somebody or it might be too too little. So if you wanna get like that technical, you can always go, go to these um, specific accounts to understand how to actually get the specific um, amount of grams that you, you may need for your, your, your particular face. And how important is lip sunscreen? Um, so, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that, like, people people don't know this, but some may not. You can get lip cancer. It might, it might not be as common as, the, um, as, common as skin cancers, um, but you can definitely get it. So I'd highly recommend getting an SPF lip balm. My personal favorite, this is, like, nope, not sponsored or anything like that. Um, my personal favorite is Jack, Jack Black. Um, I believe they sell in old. I could be wrong, um, but it's literally just like any other lip balm, but it has the benefit of having SPF in it. So I highly okay. recommend just treating that as your regular sunscreen. Love that. So if you could give people like a, and again, this is not like sponsored or anything like that, but if you could give someone a, maybe a lower cost SPF that they could find in their local, you know, Target or, uh, you know, CVS, Walgreens, something like that, what would be a good, like, go-to for someone who's just like, hey, I, I need to get covered, but maybe I can't afford what's always in Ulta or Sephora. Um, I'm like forgetting the name of these brands. Okay. Um, um, oh my goodness. There's like one that I'm thinking about and it's just like not coming to me right now. Um, goodness. We can come back to it. If you shoot, even if you shoot it over to me after this episode, I'll make sure to put it on the Instagram page on the day that we launch the podcast and everything so people know <laughs> i just remembered um hawaiian tropic hawaiian tropic oh, perfect. Has, um I think, I think they retail in walgreens but i know that i'm pretty sure they might retail in cvs and maybe the other um other like, smaller stores i could be wrong but i know they're in Wal walgreens for sure okay and what about uh higher end if someone wants you know hey i, I kind of got a little bit to splurge i want a really nice high quality sunscreen maybe with a little bit of tint is there a few that you could recommend as well are we talking about lip sunscreens are we talking about facial oh i'm sorry facial facial we're talking facial oh if you like want to splurge i'm um, super goop um it, they are pricier just like when you think about like um how much product you're getting <clears throat> excuse me how much product you're getting per ounce um mm -hmm. Elta md is a little pricey um but the the quote-unquote medical grade brands those are really pricey like color science um, for example, that's if you really want to splurge, but like you do not have to break the bank, especially for sunscreen only because that's, that's the one product that you're going to continually be using up and very fast. Mm -hmm. So, 
Agreed with that. So if you were to look into the future of the beauty and skincare industry, do you, do you see it heading anywhere? Do you see it like getting better? Are you seeing new innovative products? Are we seeing like, what are we maybe seeing in the future for beauty skincare and maybe the wellness wrapped into it nowadays with the clean beauty? Um, I would say that there's definitely just clean beauty is like obviously like not going anywhere. I do feel like it is going to get worse. Like in the, in the coming years, um, that, you know, more and more and more brands are going to fall, I want to say fall victim, but like for a better lack of words, fall victim to it just because they know that that's what, that's what consumers are looking for. And that's, what's going to get their products to sell. Um, and I do, I do see that sustainability and, you know, trying to care for the environment and reduce your environment, reduce your environmental footprint. That's going to become bigger as well. Um, we've noticed, you know, like climate change has become a concern and, um, there's a lot of reducing our, reducing the amount of water that we're using. That's becoming a concern. So I think, you know, there's going to be a huge, um, a huge, um, shift to increasing the increasing trend of clean beauty and how to be more sustainable when creating certain um, products. When it comes to innovation though, mm, that's a little hard. <laughs> that's a little hard to answer just because, um, trends change all the time. Um, so I can't, it's really hard to say right now specifically what I what I what I will see. I would say bi- biotechnology that um, that is um, becoming an increasing trend, um, but I don't see really see anything specific. Um, okay. I can't think of anything really specific in that regard. Okay, and when it comes to clean beauty, I know we, you've kind of mentioned it a few times, just like falling victim to it. And I've also seen a lot of. Um, you know, I don't want to call them skin influencers because a lot of people are just like actually accredited dermatologists speaking on it, but how it's, uh, what's the word? I don't want to call it like false, but it's a scam, you know, like clean beauty is not real. Um, what does that mean when people are saying that? So essentially it's really, how do I, how do I phrase this? It's, it's a tactic to make people think that, you know, that their their products that are not marked clean, that there's something wrong with them, okay. and it it really relies on scaring you to get their products to sell because any a lot of these brands that you know that, that say their products are clean, if you were to ask them, you know, what substantiation or what proof do they have that their product that their clean product is better than a quote unquote unclean product, no brand really has the evidence to to um to prove that because there's no standard to what clean means. It means different things to different people. Um, so that's really why a lot of professionals are gonna say, you know, it's not real, that it's a scam because there's really, at the end of the day, no definitive meaning. And we don't even know, um, you know, if there will end up being like a legal definition for what clean means. Interesting. So when you're talking about, you know, maybe seeing a certain synthetic ingredient in a formula, this something that I've, I've always just been very interested in with the chemistry behind formulations, because obviously the people creating these products aren't, you know, dumb either. Um, so, you know, there's, there's always a form of education going into product innovation and creation, but what, what happens when, like when we're seeing a synthetic product uh, or a synthetic ingredient in a formulation and people are going, Oh, that, that ingredient is derivative of rat poisoning. 
it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, but it, but that's what chemistry is, right? You're putting certain things to then create something else. So when we're seeing a product like that and you know, it's dramatic, but we're seeing that in the beauty space, does that mean that, oh my gosh, I need to chuck this product that I just saw, you know, trashed on, you know, TikTok? Do I need to throw it away? Like what kind of, um, I don't want to call them like fake ingredients, but how do you know if what you're using is okay? Because I've also heard the EWG scale is also completely effed up. So it's really, so people, I, I would say like when it comes to the US, people don't believe that like the FDA doesn't like regulate cosmetics, which is not, so it's not true because there's a lot of regulations all over the world that we have to abide by. We can't just throw anything in our in our products willy all willy nilly. Like we can't do that because there are regulatory other regulatory agencies that guide what we can use. Um, there's also to toxicology reports um, by um, expert panels that we abide by to understand what would happen if we go over a certain limit um, to where something is going to be bad for the consumer. So. That's how you know, um, for example, that, okay, let me, let me give you an example. So um, let me say salicylic acid, for example, it's recommended to not go over 2% because after that, there's going to be potential problems that are going to happen to the consumer. And at certain concentrations, it's going to be toxic to the consumer. Um, and by having like, these regulations in place, we know that at a certain level that we, if we go over it, it's going to be a problem. But if we stay under it, we know that it's been tested to be safe. Um, and also, some of these ingredients have been tested in other regions as well. And we, they also set their own limits to um, to how these ingredients have affected 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 human health and how they in, in, interact with other. I don't want to say like they're intentionally testing on animals, um, but like at least in the previous years. Or decades ago, that's how um, we're able to understand what these ingredients are doing to people, mm -hmm. um, and that's how we're able to set regulations. Okay, so when it comes to, I mean, basically, let's boil it down to again the the fact that there are still so many regulations and stipulations that you guys, as formulators and chemists do abide by. Um, it's not like you're just mixing things up in a little bowl and going, "Hey, like this looks like it'll do a pretty good job." Exactly. Yeah. We have guidelines to go by. I mean, maybe there's some bad business people or, or like people that DIY that sell products online. They, they might be doing that. But any like reputable company, um, beauty conglomerate is not trying to get sued. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. They're going to abide by the strictest of regulations to make sure make sure that they're not ending up in deep crap. Yeah, well, and that's that's a real quick way to ruin your company, um, exactly. especially multi-million, billion-dollar companies. I don't think they're going to go take that, you know, big leap off the off the edge there for that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, if you were to leave, you know, to wrap up um, a a great educational interview again, I really appreciate you taking time to do this. I I hope that it can help a lot of people just feel a little bit more confident in not just what they're using, but also their skin type and all these things. What is just one positive thing that you could leave someone with maybe to make them feel empowered to take care of their skin, where, you know, to fact check, to take care of themselves, not always listen to social media. What is just one thing, or maybe just a little, you know, your favorite thing to share that you would leave someone with today and, and want to leave an impact? 
Huh, that's hard to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, oh, I'm trying to think. Um, mm, I would. So I, I, I'm not sure if this is would necessarily leave leave a positive m- impact. But what, what I like to tell people is that if you see something online, if you see something online, and you know you get scared. If this could be on TikTok, it could be on Instagram, it could be literally anywhere. It's really important to consider that, or just just to ask, is this person trying to sell me something? Always consider that because mm-hmm. unfortunately, people do have agendas here. Um, people are trying to go viral, and and so on and so forth. Um, this is where expertise really does will leave an impact for you, um, and to. I don't want to say to, but always to always trust the science because there's a lot of problems with that statement, but really, um, just to find, find the experts that you find the experts that you, what's what I'm looking for? Align, hmm. align with maybe? Yeah, I would say, I would say find the experts that you align with that do, don't, that don't have agendas, you know, that are, sorry, that's my dog. That's okay. Um, <laughs> that, um that don't have agendas and are really just trying to communicate certain inf- information to you. And they're not choosing specific sides. Um, they're able to relay information to you accurately. Um, I can't, is there anything else I would really say? I can't. Um, hmm. I, I guess I would just say to really just rest assured that a lot of, when it comes to cosmetics, they are definitely regulated. In the concentrations that, that they are used, they're perfectly safe to use. Um, and don't really just don't be duped into being scared of your beauty products, you know, or, or what works for you. Yeah, it's you know, really ultimately, you know, finding what works for you, you know what I mean? And um, that is really what's going to make the difference in, in your beauty routines. I love that. And I think, you know, don't we can end also with like, just don't make your stuff at home. Okay. Like definitely, just, yeah. please don't, <laughs> please don't make DIY it, literally anything that is going to go on your skin. Just don't just stay away from it and don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you'll be better off buying a, a tested properly formulated product than trying to attempt to do something at home. Oh yeah. I, I couldn't imagine. Wouldn't be me, but you know what? We're going to save some, we're going to save someone um, during this episode. Well, Esther, it was such a pleasure to chat with you again. I'm, I'm so grateful you took time um, out of your schedule. I didn't even know if you would like see my email or reply to it. And I was so excited um, when I knew I was uh, able to uh, bring you on the podcast. I've shared like your stuff in the past, like on my stories and, um, so when I finally got someone that, you know, I've shared and shared, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. This is very fun. Um, so I hope that someone's able to walk away today feeling educated um, and empowered in their skincare or beauty journey, or even being inspired for a job, you know, maybe what they want to do or go to school for or anything of that sort. Um, so just leave everyone maybe with where they could find you or um, where like your, you know, if you have anything going on or anything to check out, um, just kind of leave anyone with that. And I'll also put it in the show notes below. Um, so I, I, don't have really anything to to, to promote <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, but you can find uh, me on social media, um, on Instagram, The Melanin Chemist. On Twitter, it's just Esther Olu. Um, and TikTok is The Melanin Chemist. Twitter is the only thing that does, doesn't have the same username as my other ones, unfortunately. But 
um, yeah, you can find me on those three, three platforms. Well, perfect. And again, just encouragement to you. I found you through, I think even just the explore page. So keep doing what you do when you have the time to do it. Cause obviously you are a busy person. Um, but your education and expertise is so appreciated by people like me. And again, I hope that I can introduce you to someone else and help them feel a little bit more confident today in what they're doing. Thank you so much. For You're, wel- me. You're welcome. I can't wait for this to air and I'll be sure to plug all your stuff in. Awesome. Thank all you right. So much. We'll chat soon. Thanks so much, Esther. Yeah, of course. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for joining this week's podcast. I am so excited um, to have had this opportunity to partner, if you want to call it with Esther, um, be able to chat and learn even from her, um, and kind of even just get a glimpse into like what the background of, you know, formulation looks like and what a chemist is doing. You know, we just kind of picture these like white coats and like, that's it, but there's so much that goes into it. Right. So super exciting, super eye-opening. Make sure that you guys take care of your skin as always. Okay. Make sure you join six weeks to strength. If that's something that still sounds like it's in your wheelhouse, um, and make sure that, you give this episode, this podcast, thumbs up, rate, review, subscribe, send it to a friend, send it to someone who says, oh, you don't need SPF. Please send it to them. And what a cool thing to be learning about on a Sunday, you know, Sunday, sun rays, SPF is your BFF. It's just a vibe. All right. I love you guys. Happy Sunday. We'll be back next week for a solo episode. And um, I'm excited to sit with, sit down with you guys and probably cry a little bit more. All right. Love you guys. Happy Sunday.